Yo, what is going on, everyone? My name is Nick or the Notorious Fantasy, and welcome into the Chicago Bears team breakdown with my guest today at Dave Kluge on Twitter. You guys can follow him. I'll let him go ahead and shout out basically everything that he has in a couple of seconds. But in this video, we're just going to be talking about the Chicago Bears, the whole team for fantasy football, the quarterbacks, the running backs, the wide receivers, and the tight ends. No kickers, no defenses today, but you know, eventually, sometime in August, I'll get to talking about them. But we're just going to give a nice breakdown of each of these players and our accept our expectations for them going into the season. So before I tell everyone to subscribe, Dave, uh, can you give us where to find you? Yeah, you know, I'm at the point now where I'm doing so much. I don't even try to tell people what my show schedule is and articles I've got coming out. Just go ahead and follow me on Twitter and you'll be able to see everything I'm up to nowadays. It's uh, at Dave Kluge. That's K-L-U-G-E. Just drop me a follow on there and you'll see every article I'm coming out with, every show I'm doing. I just kind of use that as my uh, my message board for sharing everything that I got going on. Yeah, make sure that you guys check Dave out. Again, with these, I tweeted this out a while ago, but every single person who is on these team breakdowns are people that I actually respect. I'm not going to have someone on here that I have no, like, I don't know anything about. So, yeah, make sure that, and it probably doesn't sound like I know anything about him because I pronounced his last name wrong because I'm an idiot, but it's okay. It is what don't it worry. is. You're, you'd be in, like, the 1% if you actually got the last name right, so don't worry about it. All right, <laughs> so let's get into it. So first, we're going to be talking about, obviously, the Bears quarterback situation. They got Andy Dalton and Justin Fields right now, as well as Nick Foles. Right now, according to the Barstool Sportsbook, the odds to start week one, Dalton minus 500, Fields plus 300, Foles plus 2,500. So you basically roll uh, Foles out of there. He's There's no way he's going to start. But what is your opinion on this whole quarterback situation in Chicago? Who do you think is the starter week one? And how long do you think, if it's not going to be Fields week one, how long do you think it will take until Fields becomes the guy well i don't think it's gonna be fields week one and, and i've heard an argument that it could certainly happen you know we saw this happen with the seattle seahawks not that long ago where they went out and they gave matt flynn this huge contract and then russell wilson showed up in camp and just played so well that they had no choice but to start him week one so like in an ideal situation that's what happens where he is just you know a mile ahead of every single other quarterback in that camp and they have no choice but to roll with him but realistically um, you know, I think that he's still going to have a little bit of growing to do. And and Dalton's no slouch. You know, Dal Dalton, you know, he's he's not a great quarterback, but he's still serviceable. He did a decent job last year in Dallas. You know, he had a solid career his whole time in Cincinnati. So I think that Dalton is the week one starter. And when I'm looking at the schedule, for me, I've got week four circled big time. That's where I'm expecting Justin Fields to take over. You know, the first game is a road game, prime time against the Los Angeles Rams. I don't know if I want to see Justin Fields take the field against that. That you, you don't want to see that for your first game. You know, that is a tough matchup behind a pretty patched up offensive line having to deal with Leonard Floyd and Aaron Donald. I don't know if I want Justin Fields to go out there and just get smoked week one under the bright lights. So I think that week one, you know, they put Dalton out there week two. Uh, that's Dalton's revenge game where he gets to play against Cincinnati. Week three is going to be a pretty tough matchup on the road against Cleveland. And then week four, they get this nice soft matchup at home against the Lions. And I think that they go into that game probably either one and two or zero oh and three. And and at that point, it, it, you know, the Nagy's hands are pretty much going to be tied. They're going <laughs> to have to put Fields out there. And, and I think that's a good opportunity for him to get his first game in. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. As a Dolphins fan, Tua's first game was against the Rams. And that uh, obviously, I think we won that game, but it didn't go too well for Tua. He got strip sacked on the first play of the game. It was uh, not very good. But yeah, I can definitely feel that as a just as an outsider looking in I can completely agree with the fact that it's going to take a couple of games I don't think that there's really necessarily any reason for Dalton not to be the guy week one uh just to go ahead and 
just be play bad enough to where Fields ends up not being the greatest, then people are like, oh, at least he's better than Dalton, right? That is at least my thought process on it. Last year, Dalton was all right. Like you said, he threw the ball 313 times, 216 completions, 64.9% completion percentage, 2,100 passing yards, 14 touchdowns, eight INTs. I mean, he's nothing really special. He's not really the Andy Dalton of the Cincinnati Bengals a bunch of years ago when they went on that run in like 2015, 2016, but he's still pretty solid. But Justin Fields is obviously clearly the guy there. Justin Fields ADP right now is quarterback 16. Are you okay taking him at that price right now? He's quarterback 16 overall pick 134.2 on underdog. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that if they said, you know, Justin Fields is going to be the week one starter, I think everybody would be putting Justin Fields in the conversation for QB one. So I yeah. mean, you got to kind of look at it as the fact that you're getting a guy who is almost a lock to be a QB one because of his rushing upside and you can get him and with one of the last picks of your draft. So I think he's absolutely worth it. And, and I wouldn't recommend stacking him with somebody like Andy Dalton. I mean, what I like to do is still get one of those elite quarterbacks. I'm very much so that you want to go out and you want to get either you know, Patrick Mahomes, Lamar Jackson, Josh Allen, um, Kyler Murray, Dak Prescott. You want to lock in one of those guys. And then I think you still spend one of your late picks on Justin Fields because if he shows up and can play to the level that Bears fans want him to and, and a lot of people are expecting, then you've got an amazing piece of trade bait there. You know, everybody wants that next young guy that's going to take off at the quarterback position. So I think that uh, Justin Fields, even if you already have a solid QB from early in your draft, is still a great target regardless of how your, your draft is shaken out. Yeah, I, I completely agree. At quarterback 16, especially if it only takes like four games, the only worry is if Andy Dalton actually plays all right. And then like, do you think there's a scenario where Dalton plays good enough for them to win like two games out of those first three? And then you don't see Justin Fields for a couple more weeks? I, I don't. I, I mean, I think that Dalton is a serviceable quarterback, but you know, he's definitely in the twilight of his career. We saw him last year in Dallas with Amari Cooper, Michael Gallup, CeeDee Lamb, Blake Jarwin, Ezekiel Elliott, you know, all of these talented playmakers around him, and he wasn't really able to do that much. So I think putting him in a situation that is probably worse as far as the <laughs> offensive line, the skill players, everything around him is worse than it was in Dallas outside of the defense. And, and I don't think that he's going to be able to come out here and really do much. I think if he was going to start the whole season, you know, this is probably a five to a seven win team at best. Okay, that, that makes a lot of sense. So now on to the running backs. I feel like we explained the quarterbacks pretty well there. So Dave Montgomery, Tariq Cohen, Damian Williams, and then obviously there's other guys behind them, but not really to mention for fantasy football. So as a Bears fan, before we really break down Montgomery, Cohen, or Williams, what do you think about the situation with Tariq Cohen? Do you think he's going to be good to go week one? And if that is the case, does that scare you at all for Montgomery? Because if he is healthy, I am a little bit more nervous about Dave Montgomery this season. Yeah, I think Cohen is going to be back. I mean, it's it's crazy just how much modern medicine and rehabilitation has come over the last few years. It's like an ACL tear used to just be a career ender. And then Adrian Peterson just came back and, you know, had a near MVP season coming off of an ACL. And then everybody realized that, like, you know, the, 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 the <laughs> times have changed and we see players come back consistently. So with Tariq Cohen getting hurt pretty early in the season, I'd be, um, you know, shocked if he's not back for week one. And you already called it out. But yeah, that severely limits the upside that we see from David Montgomery. And it's so hard to look at last year, what he did, you know, finishing as the RB4. And then you see this year he's ranked, you know, in, in, in like the mid 20s. And a lot of people just can't really wrap their minds around why that happened. But you got to realize it's Rico and he's going to come in and he's going to be an annoying thorn in the side of David Montgomery. He's just going to rack up all of the passing down that, you know, made David Montgomery so valuable last year. So, yeah, I think that Tariq Cohen, I don't think that he really has a lot of standalone value as a flex play or anything like that, but he is certainly going to hurt 
David Montgomery. Yeah, I, I 100% agree. Like you said, he goes as running back 20 right now. And I mean, I'm willing to pay that price, but going into the, the offseason, you would think maybe Montgomery could be like a top 10 guy again. Like you said, he was top five in PPR and half PPR number four, and he finishes running back six in standard. From a points per game perspective, he was running back eight in PPR, nine and a half PPR, 10 in standard. I mean, I don't know how many people play in standard leagues at this point, but you would think Dave Montgomery this year would uh, be a lot better in standard because he's not going to be getting really any receiving work. And it's not even that David Montgomery is not a talented pass catcher because I think last year we saw that he can do it with Tariq Cohen out. He had 68 targets last year, which is very good. He also had 54 receptions, 438 receiving yards. So he's clearly a good pass catcher. But what we're going to see this year is a lot of Tariq Cohen uh, in those situations, and it's going to be really annoying. But at the price of running back 20, he's coming off the board right now, pick 45.8. Are you willing to draft him there? Yeah, and I, and I have been, and I think that you should have to temper your expectations. I mean, what we saw last year was just the perfect storm for David Montgomery, which I don't know if we're ever going to see again. <laughs> Bill Lazor took over as the play caller, and he is a much uh, more run-heavy play caller than Matt Nagy was. They had this cake schedule where they got to face off against uh, the Lions and, and the Packers, and you know it was just an easy matchup for him. And then with Tariq Cohen being hurt, there was just no competition at all. So, I mean, it, it was literally the perfect storm for David Montgomery to take over. And, and I was glad to see him step up to the challenge and, you know, put up these th this great fantasy performance. But I don't know if we're ever going to see a stretch from David Montgomery again. And, and it's frustrating because you called it out. David Montgomery is a fantastic pass catcher. Like we, we've seen it his entire career. But the Bears, for whatever reason, still love Tariq Owen. They gave him this $15 million <laughs> contract and, you know, they paid him very handsomely to take on that role. And really, if you watch the games, Tariq Cohen isn't the same player that he was when he came into the league. You know, he got that human joystick nickname and he was just carving up the field and turning, you know, what, what should have been lost plays into positive plays and making these spectacular punt returns. And he lost a little bit of that juice. I don't know if it's that the hits are starting to pile up or what it is. I mean, he's a small guy, I think five, seven, five, six, something like that. And, and I, I think that just getting you know, continuously hit by NFL <laughs> players is starting to take its toll on him. He's still only 25 years old, too, which is mind-blowing. Like, in, in my head, like, Tariq Cohen feels like he's 28, 29. It feels like he's been an integral part of this Bears team for a long time. But at just 25 years old, he's already starting to lose that juice, and it worries me. You don't see him cutting up the field like he used to. He gets the ball in his hands, and you see a lot of juking and a lot of backtracking and a lot of east-west movement and very minimal yards on, on each play. So I, I wish that they would have just trusted David Montgomery, because I think that he's got the talent where he can take on, you know, I don't want to say a Christian McCaffrey role where they're just completely <laughs> running the offense through him or, or Dalvin Cook or something like that. But he's got that skill set where he can do everything. He can block, he can run, he can, uh, you know, catch the ball. And, and I wish they would just trust him to take that role on a little bit more. Yeah, it may have been you or someone else who I saw who retweeted on Twitter the video of uh, Dave Montgomery talking to Matt Nagy, telling him about how everyone dislikes him for fantasy and all this stuff, how he's not the greatest running back and how he wants the ball. And seeing that, it's like, that's so tough to see because I know how good he can be if he carries the ball all these times. But that's just, he's going to carry the ball, but he's not going to get as many targets. And it's going to really, like you said, hurt him here where he may end up falling outside of the top 20, but where he's going around that range, I feel like he's a really safe running back, especially if the defense somehow with Justin Fields, if the offense is able to actually put up points and the defense can just do what they do, then maybe they'll be running the ball a lot later in the games, which would be the best case scenario for David Montgomery. Yeah. And it's crazy to think that like where he's getting drafted right now, if you want to go really heavy on running backs early in your draft, 
you can get him as your RB3 and like plug him in as your flex every single week. You can still go out and get two stud running backs and then still get David Montgomery. Like he, he just keeps falling lower and lower and lower. And uh, I, I think that he could absolutely pay off considering what his ADP is right now. Yeah, I agree. Now, something that I've actually seen a lot of questions of in my comment section is about Damian Williams. Now, Damian Williams opted out last year, I believe, for the Chiefs. So he didn't really do anything, obviously, because he didn't play. So do you think that he has any role in this offense, any reason to be worried about Montgomery because of Damian Williams? Because my argument to that would be there's really no reason to worry. The only thing that's going to affect Dave Montgomery is Tariq Cohen. Yeah, I, I think that Damian Williams is there just to kind of, you know, take the load off of Montgomery's shoulders. I don't think that he's going to be seeing a big enough, um, you know, workload to really affect it that much. I think yeah. if anything, it might help David Montgomery because his legs are going to be a little bit fresher. But Damian Williams was a guy that got drafted when Matt Nagy was in Kansas City. So I think that, you know, this this is a guy that knows Matt Nagy's system a little bit. And I, I feel like this is, happens, you know, all the time where <laughs> we think that we know how a backfield is going to work out. I mean, you're a Dolphins fan. You could probably attest to this. We thought last year that Jordan Howard was going to be the guy. And then all of a sudden, Jordan Howard has almost no role. And it's Miles Gaskin and Selvin Ahmed and these other guys popping up for the Dolphins. So it's, you know, right now you want to look at it and say, all right, David Montgomery is going to get the early down work and the goal line work. Tariq Cohen's going to get the passing down work. And Damian Williams is going to be there just to spell David Montgomery if he gets tired. And that's what makes sense. But realistically, who knows? I mean, this is a guy that uh, Matt Nagy trusted to do a lot in Kansas City. And uh, maybe he's got some more drawn up for him than we even realize. Yeah, if, if that is actually true and that does end up happening, like you said, I don't really see that happening. But if that was to happen, that David Montgomery or Tariq Cohen has no value at all in fantasy, in my opinion. But that could really hurt David Montgomery. What do you think about Cohen fantasy wise? Do you think there's any way that you're drafting him at pick like, let's see where he's going right now. Pick 190. So basically undrafted. Would you even want to draft him at all? Like last round flyer pick? I, I personally wouldn't because when I'm drafting um, that late, you know, I'm not looking for somebody like floor. Is, Cohen's going to give you a decent floor in PPR leagues because you know that he's probably going to see four to five catches a game. But, you know, he doesn't really have a lot of upside, even if, you know, God forbid, David Montgomery went out and got injured week one. It's not going to be Cohen's backfield. They're going to hand yeah. the keys over to Damian Williams. I think that Tariq Cohen, his role as a passing down back is pretty solidified regardless of what else happens. So he's not somebody I'm going for. You know, when I'm getting in those late rounds, I'm swinging for handcuffs that are going to have more upside. Um, and, and I don't think that Tariq Cohen really has that. I, I feel like his ceiling is, you know, like 15 points a week if he really, really goes off. And then he's going to give you kind of that like five to eight point floor. But uh, there, there isn't really much that he's going to offer outside of that. So would you prefer to draft Damian Williams or Tariq Cohen then? Oh, man. Well, I, I don't think I'd be drafting either of them because I'm pretty sure you'd be able to get uh, Damian Williams off of waivers at some point. But uh, yeah, you know, if something were to happen to David Montgomery, Damian Williams would be one of those, you know, people that you'd be dropping 40 percent of your fab on. Yeah, 100 percent. Then I never even thought about it that way. I guess that's just because I never imagined David Montgomery getting hurt, I guess. But that does make a lot of sense that Damian Williams would be the guy. And I completely agree with you on that. Um, remember a couple of years ago how good Damian Williams was when Oh, man, I forgot the running back's name. Who was their starting running back like two years ago when Damian Williams? I, I know he went through that where he was uh, splitting carries with LaShawn McCoy. It's like neither of them were healthy at the same time. It kind of kept going back and forth. Um, Daryl Williams, too. I can't remember. It was, it was yeah. that frustrating timeshare in 2019. 2018 was the year where he really went off. Yeah, uh, 2018 then. And I can't remember who it was. I think there was somebody early in the season that got hurt and then he took over. 
Yeah, maybe it was LaShawn McCoy. LaShawn McCoy was on like a million different teams back then. This has nothing to do with the video, so I apologize for him bringing it up. No, what, but... it, what it was, I, I I can't remember who it was in 2018, but 2019, they went into the season. Everyone thought that Damian Williams was going to be the guy. He was getting drafted in the late first, early second round. And then like two weeks before the season started, they went out and signed LaShawn McCoy and yeah. just nuked Damian Williams' value. But I can't remember how he kind of came on in 2018. It was like mid-season, though. He definitely came out of nowhere. Yeah, it, it was some type of injury because I remember like going into the playoffs, he played really well too that year. But, but like for the fantasy playoffs, he literally won me a league because he scored like 30 yeah. points against someone that final yeah. week. So Damian Williams is clearly a running back that can take the reins from David Montgomery if he was to get hurt, obviously. So not really too much more to talk about there. So on to the wide receivers here. Quick question for you. What do you think about Anthony Miller as a guy who seems like He's just not going to be on the team this year, but they can't find a trade partner for. There's all this talk. For the last like three months, I feel like there's been talk about Miller being gone. What do you think about Anthony Miller? Yeah, I mean, I don't want to like disrespect any NFL players. You know, they're out there. This <laughs> is what they do for their livelihood. They put their whole, you know, life's work into doing this. But Anthony Miller is a guy that just isn't really that good. You know, he showed some flashes as a rookie that you really got excited about. You know, he just had that like dog mentality and that athleticism. And, and that helped him in college when he was at Memphis, where he was just able to kind of out hustle and outwork everyone in the NFL on the field. But the problem is, I don't think he's putting in that work off the field. And his teammates crack jokes about it all the time. They did like a superlative thing and he was <laughs> voted the laziest person on the team. They talk about him showing up late to practices all the time. <laughs> and you see that translate to his on the field play where he just gives up on routes and he's not really attacking the ball like he was as a rookie. So it, it's frustrating because it's like every single week, Anthony Miller just looks like a worse player than he did the week before. And I feel like this guy had so much potential. You know, Dynasty guys were falling in love with him a few years ago. And then just to see him just slowly fade away. And then knowing that there's almost no trade market for him, that they spent the entire offseason shopping him and they couldn't find anybody to take him. Um, I, I think that teams are starting to notice that, that he's a guy that just doesn't really have that work ethic. And, and at this point in his career, I think it's kind of, too late to change what seems to be pretty much a, a mental block for him. So you, you believe then that he will be a bear this year or do you think they're going to just cut him? Um, I don't know if they're going to cut him because there is just no depth whatsoever. You know, if they cut Anthony <laughs> Miller, then you've got to move up Javon Wims or Riley yeah. Ridley. I mean, there's nobody on that team that can really take on that wide receiver three role. So I think that he's going to stick around and um, yeah, I, I, I'd love for them to try to find a trade partner, but at this point, I don't even know if you can get a fifth or, or a, you know, a sixth round pick for him. Yeah, this seems like an even worse situation than Nikhil Harry in New England. Obviously, that's a bad situation too. But this seems even yep. worse. <laughs> yep. And and I know they tried to find some tr some trade suitors, and uh, it just seemed like there was really no interest because they they've been shopping him for a while now. Yeah. So the guy I want to talk about first, we're going to skip over Allen Robinson because I want to talk about Darnell Mooney. Here comes the Mooney. Darnell Money last year, or Mooney, sorry, I said his name wrong. He is one of those guys that I was a big fan of last year. I talked a lot about picking him up and all this. He never really put it on for a, for a long period of time. He'll have a nice game. Then he has an off game because Nick Foles can't throw the ball to him. Trubisky has no idea what he's doing out there. So it's just a shitty situation for Darnell Mooney. And then Going into this year with the fact that Justin Fields should be the guy with what Darnell Mooney did last year, he had, let me just pull up stats real quick. He was all right for fantasy, right? He finished as like a wide receiver 50. So nothing really on a weekly basis, but he did have 98 targets, 61 receptions, 631 receiving yards, four pass or four receiving touchdowns, 48th at wide receiver, but he had a 74.5% catchable target rate, which obviously is not very good. 71st at wide receiver. So what do you think about him now 
with Justin Fields or even Andy Dalton because I feel like Andy Dalton's even a step up from what Foles and Trubisky were doing last year because it just seemed like they couldn't hit Mooney at all. I remember in that one game, I believe it was against the Saints, I was watching at the bar, and he just sailed it right over Mooney's head. He was wide open, and it was just embarrassing. So what do you what do you think about this now uh, with Mooney? Yeah, and, and I feel like that was like, you know, I, I was really planting my flag on Mooney a few months ago, and like I thought like this guy was going to have this breakout, and it seems like everybody's kind of wisening up to it now at this point. He's yeah. not really so much of a sleeper anymore that he felt like he was a couple months ago, and, and you already called it. You know, he did this, you saw it in the Saints game, but he did this nonstop where he was just torching D-backs. He was just blowing the top off of defenses, getting wide open, and like you said, either Nick Foles was just throwing it, you know, nowhere <laughs> even near him, or Mitch Trubisky was just hyper-focused on getting the ball to Allen Robinson that he didn't even see Darnell Mooney 30 yards down the field wide open. I mean, we saw him cook Jalen Ramsey twice in the same game. Darnell Mooney is a legit weapon. I think if he was on just about any other team last year, you know, he would have been in a great position to make a splash in fantasy, but unfortunately it didn't work out with the Bears. But like you said, whether it's Andy Dalton or Justin Fields, I think they're both a very good upgrade. Um, Andy Dalton might not be able to fully unleash him, but I think that once Justin Fields takes over, you're going to see some monster, monster games from Darnell Mooney. I mean, this guy, the, the cat's out of the bag at this point. Like I said, he's not really so much a sleeper anymore. He's on a lot of people's radar, as he should be, because he's just going to continue playing that deep threat. And once you've got a quarterback that can actually get the ball out to them, it's going to open up more opportunity for Allen Robinson. It's going to open up more opportunity for the run game. So I'm, I'm excited to see a, uh, a deep ball fold in this offense, because that's not something that we've had since Jake Cutler. Yeah, I mean, with Mooney, I think he's a guy that, while the people that are clued into fantasy, they know a lot about Darnell Mooney, but the regular people that a lot of people are playing with, Darnell Mooney is far from a household name. He's a nobody in their mind. So he's going to become at a really strong value in a lot of drafts. On underdog, he goes at pick like 105. But on Yahoo, when I've been doing these mock draft stuff, he goes in like the 13th round. You're undrafted because I don't think most people actually know him because of the fact that he was basically irrelevant in fantasy. Not really irrelevant, right? But in most cases, yes, irrelevant because of Trubisky, because of Foles. But I'm very confident in drafting him. Right now, underdog ADP, wide receiver 51. I would hammer him at that spot. This seems like a very solid opportunity for him to potentially be a flex every single week or even a wide receiver too in your roster that you can rely on week in, week out. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. All right, so the other guy to talk about here in this offense is obviously the number one wide receiver, Allen Robinson. This guy has been a top 12, top 15 wide receiver with literally the worst quarterbacks ever to Foles, Trubisky, and Blake Bortles. This guy, every single year, death taxes Allen Robinson, top 15 guy. He's so good, and I didn't believe in him, not last year, but the year before, and I got so much, so much negativity in my way for not believing him. It was I was like, oh, the quarterback, I don't trust Trubisky, but Allen Robinson's good without him, so it doesn't really matter last year. Played in all 16 games, wide receiver 9 in PPR, 11.5 PPR, 12 in standard from points per game perspective, wide receiver 13 in PPR, 15.5 PPR, 17 in standard. This guy is just a monster every single week. There's a reason why Trubisky was able to play for so long in the Bears uniform because you just throw the ball down Robinson and it works every single time. He's going to bring down every single catch. Uh, pretty sure last year up against the Bucks, he went crazy. He's just an excellent wide receiver, and I am very confident in him finishing inside of the top 12. At wide receiver 13, to me, that's a very easy price to pay for him. Wouldn't be surprised if he was a top eight guy uh, this year. What do you think about Robinson? Yeah, I, I love him. And I'm not sure if you saw, I kind of went on a uh, like Twitter rampage last night because I realized like <laughs> Allen Robinson, his last two seasons, like you said, he was the wide receiver eight last year. He was the wide receiver nine the year before. Now he gets a quarterback upgrade, whether it's Dalton or Justin Fields. 
and he's wide receiver 13 on fantasy pros. He's wide receiver 12 on football guys. He's like somehow everybody is discounting Allen Robinson, yeah. even though like this guy has balled out his entire career. We saw with Blake Bortles, you know, you called it out. Blake Bortles was not a great quarterback, and he hauled in 1,400 yards and 14 reset, 14 touchdowns with yeah. Blake Bortles in 2015. So yesterday, you know, I, I saw this big market discrepancy yesterday, and it, it just threw me into a tiff on Twitter. And I ended up writing a 1,600-page article that you'll be able to read in, in just a couple days on footballguys.com, and it is called Allen Robinson, the oft-forgotten fantasy football stud. Because we, I don't know why, you know, and basically what I was able to deduce by writing this article is that everyone's falling for the tiny, shiny new toy syndrome right now. You know, yeah. everybody's moving Terry McLaurin and DK Metcalf and AJ Brown and all of these new young guys above Allen Robinson. And that's fine because those guys have much higher ceilings than what you're going to get from Allen Robinson. But if you want a guy that is a lock for 150 targets, 12 touchdowns, or I'm sorry, 1200 yards and six touchdowns. Allen Robinson's your guy. Now, something else I did was call out because obviously, you know, it's it's no surprise that he has had to deal with some terrible, terrible quarterback play. And when you look at the numbers that he's had over his last two years in Chicago, which is almost on the dot, 150 targets, 1,200 yards, and six touchdowns. When you look at what um, Deshaun, or I'm sorry, what DeAndre Hopkins did for the first six years of his career with Matt Schaub, Case Keenum, Ryan Fitzpatrick, <laughs> Ryan Mallett, Brian Hoyer, TJ Yates, Brandon Whedon, Brock Osweiler, Tom Savage, pretty much the same thing that Allen Robinson has had to deal with. And during that time, what DeAndre Hopkins averaged was 149 targets per per 16 games, 79 receptions, 1,122 yards, and six touchdowns, which is almost identical to what Allen Robinson has done for the last two years. Once he linked up with Deshaun Watson, it completely changed the script for what we know about DeAndre Hopkins, and he has been a stud. His numbers went uh, since he's been with um, DeAndre Hopkins and, or I'm sorry, with Kyler Murray and Deshaun Watson, it's gone up to 161 targets, 111 receptions, 1,425 yards, and 10 touchdowns per game, which we know is pretty much what you need to do to be a top three wide receiver. So, uh, talent wise, I think that Allen Robinson is just a tier below DeAndre Hopkins. And if Justin Fields could end up being that prospect, like Kyler Murray or Deshaun Watson, where he could just be a game changing type of quarterback. We could see Allen Robinson get elevated into that top three conversation. Yeah, 100%. I mean, like last year you said, he was literally number three in targets last year, number four in receptions. This guy's a monster. 25.4% target share in that offense. I mean, one-fourth of the time the ball's coming out, it's going to Allen Robinson. That's because Mitch Trubisky's bad and so is Foles, but that's also because of how good Allen Robinson is. And you're completely right. It really is the the discrepancy between a veteran wide receiver, Allen Robinson, who's been in the league for a while, and a shiny new toy, DK Metcalf, all those young guys people really like to get hype about. I mean, I would be happy drafting Allen Robinson over DK Metcalf. You obviously you don't have to right now. Metcalf's like a second-round pick. Robinson is a third, fourth-round pick. But I'd be very happy to get Robinson. I'm not even a big fan of DK Metcalf. I don't know what you think about him. But I think that Allen Robinson, there's a legitimate path if Fields plays the whole year, not the whole year, I should say, like, 13-ish games for Robinson to be a top five guy. Do you think that there's any scenario where he is a top five guy or do you think he's more coasting around 10? Uh, yeah, you know, I think his floor is pretty much, you know, 10 to 12. We've seen him finish eight and nine over the last two seasons and I don't expect him to turn down. Another thing is it feels like Allen Robinson's been in the league for so long. Like you think back to that 2015 season when he finishes the uh, wide receiver four, that yeah. year he finished behind, it was Antonio Brown, Julio Jones, Brandon Marshall, Allen Robinson. Like people forget how good this guy can actually be. And that seems like it was forever ago, but Allen Robinson still is just 27 years old. 
Another yeah. thing I came across when I was doing this article yesterday, and this kind of blew my mind, is that Allen Robinson averaged just 3.1 yards after the catch last year. That ranked 139th in the league. And the reason for that, it's not because he can't rack up yards after the catch. I mean, when you get this guy, when you see him in the open field, I mean, he, he's tough to catch. He's a big dude with long strides. But the problem is that he has to just constantly readjust to catching these terrible balls. So, yeah. you, you know, I can't tell you how many times you'd see Allen Robinson running a slant and there's nobody in front of him. And if Mitchell Trubisky was able to just put that ball a couple of feet in front of him, you're looking at a 50-yard touchdown. But instead, it gets thrown to his back hip. He's got to readjust, make a contested catch, falls to the ground, and doesn't get anything out of it. And that's what we've seen from Allen Robinson over the last couple of years. Another thing that really jumped out to me when I was doing some research yesterday is over the last two years, Allen Robinson has 98 contested catches. The second closest in the league is Devontae Parker with 81. So there's a huge gap there. And it's not because Allen Robinson can't get open. It's because these balls were thrown to be contested catches. You know, he's wide open down the sideline and a ball gets under throat. He's got to adjust to it. You know, he's running the slant that gets thrown behind him. It was just constantly, you know, him having to wrestle away poorly thrown balls. Um, the other thing was that his um, accuracy last year, his target accuracy ranked 82nd in the league. <laughs> so we can expect to see all of that improve this year. I'm expecting more accurate targets. I'm expecting more yards after the catch, having to deal with less contested balls, which will just lead to better production all around. So I think that his ceiling realistically, I mean, if everything falls into place, he could finish as the wide receiver one. But if Justin Fields can even just be a, you know, minute improvement from what we've seen for the last few years, he should be locked in as a top five guy. Yeah, I mean, when we're talking about Allen Robinson, I've talked about this before on my channel. I think my biggest comparison with Allen Robinson would be a guy like Robert Woods, who's just really consistent year in, year out. Now, Robert Woods, not as good as Allen Robinson, obviously. I don't think Robert Woods could necessarily finish as the top five wide receiver or even the number one wide receiver. But we see a quarterback or a wide receiver with not the greatest quarterback play, a guy like Jared Goff compared to Mitch Trubisky, you know, similar in my opinion to two players who I think should be really good this season. But Allen Robinson is a guy that I'm very happy drafting. I think that a lot of people are going to fall, like you said earlier, into that young, the youngster hype that everyone has every single year. There's a reason why Najee Harris will probably end up being a first round pick. Stuff like that. CEH, top eight pick last year. It seems like in a lot of my leagues, he was going that high because there's the rookie hype, all of that. But just go ahead and stick with the old man who's not even old at all. And Alan Robinson, you should be very happy uh, with Robinson. You have anything else to add on uh, Alan here? No, no. I mean, just uh, check out the article that I'll be dropping in a few days, and uh, that'll that'll be a good one. It's a, I think it's the longest fantasy sports article I've ever written. I got really into it last night. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Make sure you guys do check that out. Check out all of Dave's stuff down below. So now we're going to get into the tight ends, which is where I asked Dave before we started recording. There may be a monologue here about Cole Komet and Jimmy Graham. What has happened with Jimmy Graham? There was a lot of talk in the offseason early on that Jimmy Graham was just as good as gone. It's going to be Cole Komet time. We've been waiting for this for a long time, at least in my opinion, uh, for Cole Komet, or at least all of last season, obviously, because he was a rookie, to take over, become the guy. But now it does not seem like that's going to happen. So what happened with Jimmy Graham, and what do you think about this whole situation? Man, I, I can't tell you what happened. Um, you know, I, I was kind of like conducting the Cole Komet hype train uh, <laughs> as soon as the season ended because it just made so much sense for them to cut Jimmy Graham. They built his contract to have an out in it where they could have cut him this year and saved almost $8 million. Rather than cutting Jimmy Graham, which would have been the sensible move, they cut Kyle Fuller, which is their biggest need anywhere. You know, they they need a quarterback right now. Now they're expecting a second-year guy in Jalen Johnson to step up as the team's number one quarterback when they just cut one of the best in the league. I mean, Kyle Fuller immediately was snatched up the very next day by the Denver Broncos because he's a fantastic cornerback. So I don't know why they kept Jimmy Graham 
one of the most head scratching moves out there that along with re-signing Tariq Cohen, but we, we already talked about that enough. But the reason it's so head scratching is we saw this, you know, we know that there's this really difficult and long learning curve for tight ends. We hardly ever see a rookie tight end come in and, and do a lot of damage. And to start the season, that's what we saw was Jimmy Graham was the lead tight end. And then the week before the bye, we saw this shift and a change of guard. We saw Cole Komet see 70% of the team snaps while Jimmy Graham's dropped down to 58%. And through the rest of the season, Cole Komet outsnapped Jimmy Graham in every single game. Eventually, in week 15, seeing 100% of the targets, I mean, or 100% of the snaps. I mean, it became Cole Komet's uh, position as at, at tight end. So it, it seemed like he was posed for this huge year two breakout. And then for whatever reason, they brought Jimmy Graham back. And I, and I still can't wrap my mind around it. I think from a dynasty standpoint, this could actually help Cole Komet because I think that Jimmy Graham is at that age where he can really help him and mentor him and help him become an even better NFL player. But unfortunately, I think it really, really hurts his 2021 value. That being said, I feel like the market correction that we saw with Jimmy Graham sticking around in Chicago has pushed Cole Komet down a little bit too far. Um, you know, not a lot of people are doing two uh, tight end redraft leagues, but if you're in one of those, I think that Cole Komet is still a great target. I think that he is still going to lead the team, um, well, not lead the team, but lead the tight end in snaps. And and we saw last year that he was able to pick it up pretty quickly. You know, he had no problem bodying defenders, picking up his blocks, hitting all of his assignments. He did what he was supposed to. So I, I think that Cole Komet, you know, being a tight end one is probably out of the question, but I think he can still pretty realistically hit that top 15, top 20 range. Yeah, I, I can see that. Komet right now coming off the board is 23. Uh, Jimmy Graham, tight end 42. Now, what's funny is in a lot of leagues, people are still going to draft Jimmy Graham. Obviously not in like a league that you're in or something like with uh, or with or that I would be in with like any type of fancy analyst. But in the leagues with your friends, you know, people know who Jimmy Graham is. Jimmy Graham's one of the best tight ends that people my age, I'm 22 years old, have seen ever play on the screen. So, you know, they love Jimmy Graham, but He's not a guy that's going to do anything. I agree with you on Komet. I think Komet will be the guy in the future if we're talking about Dynasty. Next year, I feel pretty confident in Cole Komet, but this year, I'm probably not going to look to be drafting. But I do understand why you would say that if if something was to happen to Jimmy Graham, then he does have legitimate like top 12 upside. Yeah, and, and really, like just to kind of talk about tight ends on a macro level for a second, I was just looking at this this morning, but the difference between the tight end four last year and the tight end 12 so, you know, basically everybody outside of the top three, the difference between tight end four and tight end 12 was three touchdowns. Had Jared Cook just caught an extra three touchdowns last year, he would have gone from the tight end 12 to the tight end four. He would have passed up Mark Andrews. I mean, that's how close this really is. So at the end of the day, we're splitting hairs. I mean, whether you're starting Cole Komet or whether you're starting Mo Ali Cox or, or, you know, Jared Cook, whoever it is, they're all going to finish within a few points of each other by the end of the season. Yeah, that just goes to show how useless a stat is if someone is trying to tell you that someone will be a top 12 tight end. Who really gives a – who cares, right? Top yeah. 12 tight end. What does that mean? You need the guy that you're drafting to be like a top five guy for it to really have paid off. Right, and, and I, I don't think that Cole Komet has that upside. So if I'm getting to where you know I missed out on uh, Kelsey, Kittle, and Waller and I need to draft a tight end – I'm, I'm waiting for the guys that have immense upside. You know, give me Blake Jarwin. Give me Gerald Everett. These guys that are in positions where they can really take over as the tight end one on their team, where I just think that Cole Komet, even if everything falls his way, he's still going to be fighting Jimmy Graham for targets. Jimmy Graham's still probably going to catch, you know, two to four touchdowns and a couple hundred yards. And that's just going to severely cap Komet's upside. 
Yeah, I completely agree. But real quick, before we get out of here, I did get an alert on my phone that I was going to read to you. Obviously, I assume you get the alerts, too. For me and Rappaport, that the Bears and star wide receiver Allen Robinson are not expected to reach a long-term deal. Sources say it appears that Robinson will play on the $17.88 million tag. So do you think that at all affects is there anything this season with Allen Robinson? Does that Do you like uh, that? Do you hate that? What, what do you think? Yeah, I, I wrote about that two days ago on Fantasy Pros. Uh, Ian Rappaport said that on NFL Live. And at the time, he was talking about Allen Robinson and Chris Godwin and said that neither of them were expected. So, you know, that, that was a few days ago. I didn't expect too much to change um, realistically. And I, I talk about this in my article that I just keep plugging. But, you know, that's like <laughs> a lot of my headspace yesterday. But I talk about that, too, that like just put yourself in Allen Robinson's shoes for a minute. This guy has done everything you want to see. He's He's been a consummate professional. He gives back to the neighborhood. Um, you know, he doesn't complain to the media when he has every right to, he doesn't complain about the quarterback play. His agent has made some remarks about, you know, him wanting to get a long-term deal done. And he's made some cryptic tweets in the past, but realistically, Allen Robinson hasn't done anything wrong. And all he's gone gone out there to do is perform. And he made it obvious that he wanted a long-term contract this year. They didn't want to give that to him. They slapped him with the franchise tag. And there was that, you know, talk that maybe he might not sign it. Well, all of that was going on. The Bears took Kenny Galladay out to a steak dinner and they offered him $12 million per year. Like what a slap in the face to Allen Robinson, who has done everything you want to see from this team. And instead of giving him a deal, they go out and they start suiting a new younger wide receiver, offering him exactly what Allen Robinson wanted. So I understand Allen Robinson's frustrations. You know, as much as I love him as a player and I'd love to see him retire for the Bears, I don't think it's going to happen and I don't think it should happen. Free Allen Robinson, get him out of Chicago next year, and get him the quarterback that he deserves. Yeah, I completely agree. That's just a terrible situation for Allen Robinson. I remember hearing about that. I I didn't even think it didn't even occur to my mind that that happened, but that's so funny. Uh, All this stuff with Kenny Galladay was crazy. I was flying around from team to team, but at the end of the day, I think Allen Robinson should still be fine. This shouldn't affect him this year, right? You would think you think he's just fine. No, I, I think this year, I think he knows that that's what it is. And, and I don't know, like he plays every game like he's got something to prove. I don't know if he's trying to prove it to himself or, you know, the 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 Bears or the, the Jaguars or his ex-girlfriend. I don't know who he's trying <laughs> to prove somebody, but, you know, he's out there just just wearing his heart on his sleeve and putting it all on the line every single week. And I don't expect that to change because if he goes out and balls out again this year, if he can put together his third straight 1200 yard season, he's going to get an 80 to 100 million dollar contract after this season. And somebody's going to lock him up until, you know, he's 31, 32 years old and, and give him a nice career. Yeah, he definitely deserves that big money. Another player who does crazy stuff is uh, Mike Williams. That's a guy who always lays his body on the line. That's why he's always hurt. And I just thought that was an interesting thing to, to, to bring up because Mike Williams, that's a guy who could be a real fancy sleeper if he doesn't die. But it seems like every single season he jumps too high into a ball or dives yep. out of bounds trying to instead of saving his body, he's trying to do everything he can make a catch that's what Allen Robinson does well except for he hasn't really dealt with uh, too many injuries he hasn't and that that's another thing is uh you know I I, I was tweeting about Allen Robinson last night just going pretty manic about it and going <laughs> crazy with all my Allen Robinson sets I was writing this uh article and somebody comments and they go oh I love Allen Robinson but he's made a glass the man hasn't missed a game in two years like he tore his ACL back in 2016 since then he has only missed three games i mean i I don't know what else you want from this guy he does everything the best ability is availability and he has been available and he plays every single week so i uh you know i i don't know why people are still parroting that 
Yeah, no, that happens with a lot of players, though. Some guy gets hurt once, and then everyone else is harp. They're just harp on the fact that he got hurt three years ago. Like Julio Jones, people say he's injury prone. He missed what a couple games last year. Before that, he's normally plays 16, 15 games. So I don't Would know if you people believe want me if day. I told you that uh, throughout his entire career, Chris Carson misses less games than the average running back does to injury. But no, it wouldn't those, surprise me. At but all. those injuries, they all come at the end of the season when people are in fantasy playoffs and it leaves a really bad impression in people's mouths. But by the numbers, Chris Carson gets hurt less than the average running back does. Yeah, no, that wouldn't surprise me because I've also I look heavily into Chris Carson because he's one of the guys that I've been talking about all offseason. And he's another guy that just gets slapped with the fact that, oh, this guy can't carry the ball this many times, going to get hurt again. And people are also still worried. This has nothing to do with the Bears, but people are still worried about Rashad Penny. People every year is Rashad Penny season. Well, let me yep. tell you, everyone, it's never Rashad Penny season. They denied his fifth year option. Rashad Penny is not coming back after this season. They've, they've, you know, explored and given up on the Rashad Penny experiment. They just paid Chris Carson. This is his backfield. If you don't have Chris Carson as a top 12 running back, your process needs a, needs some evaluation. <laughs> needs a shake. I wouldn't be surprised if, if Carson went down, if Marshawn Lynch stepped in instead of Rashad Penny. That's how little belief I think Seattle has in Rashad Penny. Yeah, I mean, last year Rashad Penny was healthy. They had DJ Dallas, their rookie, and when Chris Carson got hurt, they didn't give the keys to those guys. They went out and they brought in Alex Collins, who hadn't taken <laughs> a snap for football in two years. So they don't have any faith in anybody on that team besides Chris Carson. Yeah, shout out to Alex Collins, by the way. That was one of the guys that I loved like five years ago, probably. Oh, and what a, what a career that guy had. His days in Baltimore were so much fun. <laughs> yeah, with Tressman back in the days. So, thank you guys for watching this video. I mean, we're not going to just talk about the Seattle Seahawks. That's for a different video, you know, that you guys can check out eventually. This is the first of many videos uh, talking about some teams. So, thank you, Dave, for coming on here again. You can plug everything. Your article will be linked down below. Is It's coming out tomorrow, you said, right? Uh, who knows? I'll, I'll yeah, see if I can yeah. get it pushed up. My problem is I've been writing so many articles right now that they're just, like, getting queued up. I have three articles that I've finished writing that haven't been released yet. And um, they're, they're like, Dave, you got to pump the brakes. You know, we can't do this many. So I've got a few articles coming out, one on Clyde Edwards Hilaire, one on Joe Mixon, one on Allen Robinson. This time of year, I like to do these really deep player dives where I, you know, shoot for between like 1,200 to 1,500 words. And uh, the, the fun thing about doing these articles is they actually make me change my take sometimes. You know, I went in saying that I, I thought Joe Burrow was going to be a little bit overhyped. And then the more I looked into it, the more I fell in love with him. And I basically came out of this thinking Joe Mixon can be a you know top five running back. And then the same thing yeah. with Clyde Edwards-Alaire. I wasn't sure where that was going to take me. And then so so these articles, you know, I'll, I'll be pumping out a, a couple of these a week between now and kickoff. But you can find those on footballguys.com. And then um, I'll be sharing them on my Twitter as well, which you can find at Dave Kluge. That's Dave K-L-U-G-E. Yeah, make sure you follow him down below. Thank you guys so much for watching. Make sure that you guys check out Dave down below, all of his links, everything. This guy works for a million different places. It's everywhere, you know, all down below. So thank you, Dave, for coming on. I really appreciate it. Make sure you guys check him out. Make sure you guys have a great rest of your guys' day, and I'll see you guys tomorrow morning with another video. Peace out. Thank you guys again. Thank you again, Dave.